everyone. You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. Now, just for a second, I want all of you to picture a person in your life who has betrayed you. I'm talking about one person. I'm talking about the coach who hurt you, the parent who abused you, the love of your life who bolted on you, the friend who trafficked confidential information about you. You got that person in your mind? Now I can see a lot of you are thinking about that, that particular person because your, your faces aren't, aren't really happy. They're kind of sad looking. And I understand that because betrayal hurts. There is nothing like trusting someone and then having that person turn on you. Our enemies can't betray us. Only those who are close to us can reach us and rip our heart out. But as we live life, what happens? Betrayal happens. Betrayal occurs in in almost every facet of our existence. We have this situation where someone pushes us into a pit. We've been talking about one of the greatest characters in the Bible. And whenever you mention this guy's name, you've got to talk about betrayal. And I'm referring to Joseph. Joseph had a very interesting life. He had a bunch of brothers. And during a defining moment, Joseph's brothers betrayed him deeply. They pushed him into a pit, sold him into Egyptian slavery. Then they turned and told their father that he had been killed. Now, if you want to talk about betrayal, that is some serious betrayal. But whenever you talk about betrayal, you've got to talk about revenge. Due to the fact that when when someone hurts you or hurts me, when when Joseph's brothers of your life and mine when they, when they knife us in the back or, or, or when they push us in a pit or when they say something that's wrong about us, I don't know about you. Well, yeah, I do know about you, but, but, but we all want to push them in the pit. We want to make them pay. We, we, we want to seek that sweet revenge. And we're going to find out today that Joseph had the opportunity to totally get his brothers back. God served them up to Joseph on a silver platter. I mean, he had the power, the prestige, the authority. He had the freedom to totally take them out. What did he do? Because they were standing on the edge and the ledge of the pit and Joseph could have just and taken them out. What did he do? What do you do? What do you do when God has served your betrayer up on a silver platter? What do you do when God has taken the Joseph's brothers of your life and put them there? What do you do? What's your response? What's your reaction? What is the process that you go through? Revenge is interesting because it, it, it overpromises and underdelivers. It's like technology. You know, te- technology, the, the, people say, buy the iPhone or, or pick up this laptop or this or that, and it will solve all of your problems. It it, it, will be the greatest thing in your life. And you get it and you begin to play with it and work it out. And then they say, oh yeah, you need to buy this and that and that and this and this and that and that and this. And technology, 
I mean, we all love technology, yet it overpromises and underdelivers. I've discovered revenge is the same. Because you see, when, when I'm betrayed and when I seek revenge, I turn into the betrayer as well. And if I'm not careful, I can revolve my life around revenge. I can revolve my life around this, this, this whole thing. And, 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 it's, and it's highly deceptive. Revenge also is, is destructive. It'll, it, it'll mess you up because if you do any study on the human body, when we swallow anger and bitterness and shame and guilt, when we swallow revenge and, and, when, we, and when we wait to get the person back, that has the same effects as overeating or smoking. So revenge is hazardous to our bodies. On top of that, think about how destructive it is uh, in, in our relationship with the Lord himself. It will not take us where we need to go. So when, when, when we're betrayed, we have different responses. I do and you do. And I've, and I've studied this and seen this and, and had this occur in my own life. Sometimes when we're hurt, we, we dive into a career and we try to attain a certain position or live a certain lifestyle or make a certain amount of money or receive this award or, or, or that acclaim. And we think by doing that or getting there, it, we, we, it'll rub it in the face of our betrayer. As I shared with you before, I was hurt deeply by a high school coach. I thought all my scholarship dreams were dashed by the way this man betrayed me. I was able to play college basketball, and I thought by virtue of playing college basketball and starting in a couple of games that that somehow would just give me that sweet revenge, but it didn't work out that way. My name was called out over the loudspeaker. We were playing Auburn, starting a guard, Ed Young, and I ran out there in the short shorts and tube socks, and I thought, this is it? This is sweet revenge? Revenge isn't sweet. It's bitter. It will not take you and get you where you want to go. The person will never feel like you felt. The person will never experience the stuff that you experience when you take it upon yourself to try to get them back through doing this or that. Others act like, how do you like my shirt? Like this Doberman. We have a couple of Dobermans, and, and a couple of days ago, I was driving to work, and, and as I was leaving my house, one of our Dobermans was crouched down, and I watched him sneak up on something. And I thought, what is he doing? And, and, and the, the stealthy-like approach, and, and he was being so quiet, I was like, man, this is just crazy. And then I saw a squirrel. And this dog is so fast, in an instant, boom, he chased the squirrel and came within feet of catching the squirrel. Now, I'm not sure what he would do if he ever caught a squirrel, and one day he probably will, but a lot of people treat, treat betrayal like that. We've been betrayed, we've been messed around by whoever or whatever, and we're like that Doberman. We wait, we wait, and one day, we're on him. Oh, that'll give me sweet revenge. That'll do it for me. That'll put wind in my sail. That... It's not gonna work. Okay, how about this? Maybe you've gotten someone back, and let me ask you this question. How's it working for you? 
Because when we seek revenge, here's what we're doing. We're usurping God from his position. We're we're taking God off the throne of our lives and we are sitting on the throne of our lives and we're calling the shots. It's like, God, you know, you just chill, you relax. I'm gonna get the person back. No, 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 you have nothing to do with this. You weren't hurt. I'll take control of my life. And whenever we play God, man, that's some serious, serious sin. So think about it. When we've all played God, we've messed around and we have ended up torching and hurting and wasting our own lives. I think about the biblical bodybuilder, Samson. Samson had so much potential, so much ability, yet his life was a tragedy of what might have been. People say all the time, well, man, you've got potential. Well, what does potential mean? Potential means you ain't done it yet. Samson had all this potential, yet he revolved his life around revenge, and and it started the domino effect in his life. Betrayal, revenge, revenge, betrayal, betrayal, revenge, and and, and it's it's just sad to read about his life. So if you want to know what will happen, if you revolve your life around revenge, look at Samson. Because at the end of Samson's life, right before, he did do one great thing, but right before that, you know what he was doing? The biblical bodybuilder had lost his strength. His eyes had been gouged out. He was grinding corn for the enemy, going around and around and around in circles. That's what revenge will do. It will blind you, it will bind you, and it will grind you. The biblical bodybuilder, a tragedy of what might have been, his life revolving around revenge. Are you a predator? Are you a scorekeeper? Are you diving into some career or trying to get some level to get the person back? Man, I wouldn't go there because I've messed up in that area before, and I know so have you. Well, you might be going, okay, Ed, what do I do? I mean, I'm facing one of those JTMs. I'm facing a Joseph-type moment. God has served my betrayer to me on the silver platter. You know, you talk about Joseph's brothers. They're they're right here before me. And, and, And what should I do? Well, let me press the pause button for a second. Because Joseph's story, and and I want you to read it and dissect it, is is mentioned in the book of Genesis. Genesis 42 through 44. Joseph's brothers, again, get this picture, betrayed him, lied about him. They thought he was dead. Joseph's career blew up. He became the number two guy in Egypt. A famine struck. It was was felt by all of the neighboring nations because Egypt had done a good job of saving grain. Joseph was selling grain to all of these people. We'll take a wild guess who showed up at Joseph's palace to buy some grain. You guessed it, Joseph's brothers. They had no idea he was alive. They had no idea he was the man. In fact, even when they saw him, they didn't know it was him. So Joseph faced this defining moment 
Uh, I mean, he had this time where he could have gotten his brothers back. He could have made them pay. He could have tortured them. He could have done whatever he wanted to do because he was the man in Egypt. God served these people up to him on a silver platter. And, and, and again, I ask you, what do you do when that person is served up to you? What do you do during those JTMs, those Joseph-type moments? Because the brothers could have been blindsided by Joseph. They didn't recognize him. He was an Egyptian now, and they, they, they were clueless. Yet they'd experienced a famine, and hunger had brought them to Joseph. Shame and guilt had driven them to the point in their lives where they found themselves on their faces before him. And that's what happens when we live a life of betrayal. We'll experience, like Joseph's brothers did, a famine of the soul. We'll be hammered by, by shame and guilt. And so often, I'm talking to betrayers now, we will be at the mercy of the person that we betrayed. That's a scary place to be in. Yet, that's where Joseph's brothers found themselves. What did Joseph do? It was a JTM, a Joseph-type moment, a big moment, a defining moment, a crucial moment. What do you do during those JTMs? That's, that's the rugged planes of reality that I talk about so much. That is, 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 is where the rubber meets the road in the Christian life. Things like this, situations like that. What do we do? Do we pay them back or do we pull back? And here's what's, here's what's uh, ironic about this whole subject whenever I talk about revenge. Whenever you read or think about someone living the Christian life, so often people think, okay, as a Christian, I need to be meek and mild and soft and, and turn the other cheek and, 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 and I shouldn't stand for what I believe in. I mean, that's the way I should live my life. That's what the world tells us. But the Bible says that I need to be powerful, to speak the truth in love, to stand for my convictions, and to say what's on my heart. So, so the culture gives us this situation of Christianity as those who need a crutch and, and, and those who are weak and those who don't have it together yet. Yet, yet biblical Christianity, I mean, it takes some serious guts to live it out because I ask you, you're served, your betrayer on the silver platter? I mean, what's easier, to whack them or to pull back? I'm telling you, man, Christianity is not for lightweights. Well, the Bible says that we're to do some things when we are faced with those moments of betrayal. One of the things we're to do is we're, we're not to strike back, we're to strike up a conversation with God. That's, that's a good place to start. I mean, we're to pray for ourselves. Don't pray for the other person. Don't even pray for the situation. Just pray for yourself. God, give me patience. God, I want to do what you want me to do. That's the first thing we're to do. Then right after that, we're to pray for our enemies. Now, I have a hard time doing that. I, I will confess, we're in church, and I know you do too. But whenever I've started praying for my enemies, I no longer have this, this revengeful attitude when I begin to pray for them. Because when I pray for them, I begin to love them. I don't like them necessarily. I don't hang out with them, but I love them. And that's why Jesus uh, unpacked it in Matthew 5, when he said, love your enemies. 
and pray for those who persecute you or betray you or mess you around. This word love doesn't suggest an emotion. It suggests an attitude or an action. So, so when you have that opportunity, don't strike back. Strike up a conversation with God. Also, to consider your Egypt. You know all the people around Joseph knew the storyline about what had happened to him. Don't you know he told, him, told everybody about the whole thing about him being betrayed and pushed in a pit and sold into slavery. And they knew that he worked for Potiphar. And they knew that, that Potiphar's wife accused him of a crime he didn't commit. They, they knew the story about him being in jail. They knew the story about him interpreting Pharaoh's dreams. And, and they knew all of that. So, so they were watching to see how Joseph would respond. They were watching to see, I mean, is this stuff real or not? He talks about God. He talks about his relationship with the Lord. Is it real or not? How about your Egypt? Again, you have a JTM, a Joseph-type moment, and you want people around you to see Jesus? You want people around you to be interested in attending Fellowship Church? You want people around you to have their heads snapped like, wow, this is phenomenal? Begin to strike up a conversation with God. Begin to consider the crowd and the influence that you have. Romans 12, 17 says, don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody because people are watching you and me. I mentioned technology earlier. Isn't, isn't it crazy about technology? I mean, nothing is private anymore. I mean, there's cameras everywhere on freeways and stores, cell phones. Everything is, is, is public. Well, you think everything's public? That doesn't even come close to the eyes of God and to the eyes of others that are watching you and watching me. I truly believe when we get to heaven, we're going to be shocked at how many people were watching us and checking us out to see if Christianity was the real deal. Something else that, that the Bible encourages us to do out of uh, Jeremiah is, is, is to hire a lawyer. Now that sounds crazy, but this is totally pro bono. God says, I will be your lawyer to plead your case. I will avenge you. So revenge is when I usurp God and I take control and I, you know, take it out on the person. That's revenge. Avenge is when I leave room for God to act, for God to move, for God to do the stuff. Because God will always, always handle it better than you and me. I've got to give it to God. Yeah, God's a God of love. God's a God of forgiveness. And we talk about that and sing about that. And it makes us happy and peppy and bursting with love. Also, God is a God of justice and a God who punishes those wrongs. So, so we need to talk about the balance of him. And God will take care of the person or persons who have betrayed us. In Romans 12, it says, in verse 19, don't take revenge, but leave room for God's wrath. For it's written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. So number one, you're not God. So, so, so turn to your neighbor and say, you're not God. Hopefully that's a revelation to a lot of people here. Number two, God knows that revolving our lives around revenge will harden our hearts. I don't want a heart like that, do you? Well, if I revolve my life around revenge, 
it will harden my heart. Number three, the, the third comment about this is, this whole thing makes me trust God. I mean, it makes me trust God. If, if, if I'm doing the things that I talked about doing in my life, I am forced to trust God and as I trust God, I'm a man of endurance, a man of commitment, a man of power, and I can have, and you can have the influence of Joseph in our Egypt. So don't play God. Let God be God. Let God take care of revenge. Thank you for listening and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless.